Well, as we've been listening to our Isaiah reading, uh, you, you may find that uh, part of you, uh, as we do sometimes, uh, likes to echo those uh, questions that the Israelites start to ask God. Why have you fasted? Why have we fasted and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled yourselves? You've not noticed. Why have we, when we prayed, you don't seem to have answered. We thought we'd done all the right things, but God doesn't seem to do what we want. Which begs the question, is it, uh, is it not the right thing to pray, perhaps even fast, to come to church, to seek God's direction for our lives and uh, uh, look for his blessing on what we're doing? Uh, the answer to that question is, it depends. It might, what you're doing might, according to Isaiah, even be rebellious. There's a bit of a shock, because <laughs> he begins, declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins, because day after day they do those things that I've just talked about. So that's a bit strange. How can that be rebellion? to come and seek God and, uh, and these things, uh, pray and fast and so on. Well, I think uh, I've, uh, in my simple way of uh, putting it, I sort of clicked for me, I kind of thought, I think this is what the key distinction is. So you see if you agree with me or not. I think the problem is that they were following man's typical religious way of doing things rather than what God is always looking for, which is a relationship that transforms us. And this is a constant human temptation to fall into the religious trap rather than the, the liberating relationship with God. So what is the difference between religion and relationship in this context? Well, see what religion does, it says, yep, God's up there in heaven. He's put us down here. We've got our life, we're uh, pretty sure we know what we want to do with our lives and uh, what we think is good. So uh, most important thing is that we just make sure God's on our side and we get his blessing, we don't offend him, we don't mess up. So Lord, what do we have to do just to tick those boxes, uh, do what's necessary to get your blessing and uh, uh, um, so just just what we have to do. So they're eager, they seem eager to know God's ways and uh, uh, just give me those decisions that tell us the right thing. And, uh, oh, sometimes things are not really working, then we'll get really religious, so we'll pray and even fast because things are not going the way we like them to go. Uh, and then as things are still not going the way we like them to go, like them to go we do things like quarrel and, and, and try and make them happen our way, and that's not a problem. Uh, and... Uh, 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 quarrelling and strife. It's a bit like James who says, uh, uh, it calls them a wicked and adulterous generation as he's talking to the Christians. He uh, uh, says, uh, uh, you do not have because you do not ask God. Uh, so oh, that sounds what they're doing, isn't it? He said, no, but when you ask God, you do not ask God with right motives because you quarrel and fight and, and so you do not get what you ask. So this is uh, the same dynamic we have here. And uh, I, meet a lot of, I meet a lot of people out there that have a taste of religion. They kind of think, oh, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I've been good, I've even prayed, asked God, why hasn't he done what I've asked? What, what's wrong? 
And that's the trap of religion. 99% uh, of the human nature of the world will tend to go down that route. Whatever religion you choose, it's the same. Oh, we'll go and fast during Ramadan, we'll do our prayer five times a day, or whatever it might be, just so that God can look after us and keep us safe and, and protect us and do and so on. That's often the psychology that's going on. Not always, but that is so often the way. And uh, that's rebellion, because it's really saying, we want to be in charge, we don't want to be king, as we had the king at the beginning. Uh, we, we just want God to bless things and make things good for us. And God usually wants to vomit those people out of his mouth, to be honest. <laughs> he calls it rebellion, because he wants a relationship, seeking God for who he is, to find out what is on God's heart, who has made us and created us and put us in this world to be a, a transforming agent for his creation, for his, uh, his, the people of this earth which have gone far away from him. Their hearts are far away from him. We, he wants us to find out what is on their heart. And we can see from the later work, the passages here, his heart is for the hungry, the poor wanderers. As Jesus came, he came for the lost for the broken, the hungry, the needy, to share out God's care for them, to show God's care for them and love for them, and for each one of us who are also lost uh, ourselves. And so he wants each one to come to him so that we can be changed by him to do the same things that he would want us to do from his heart which becomes our hearts. To change our hearts, our rebellious hearts that like to do things my way. Frank Sinatra does not really fit with the Bible, I'm afraid. <laughs> I did it my way. He wants us to become a channel of his love and his peace. Now, practically, uh, what does that mean? Well, before we come to that, let's just see uh, the wonderful uh, benefit that this will result in. Um, you know, if we go down this path, then, from verse 8, your light will break forth like the dawn. The light will shine out and will keep on shining like the dawn. That's what we long for. Your healing will quickly appear. There will be a... A, a, a flow of God's life for you that will even bring healing, physical, mental, spiritual to God's people and to others. Your righteousness, because it is God's righteousness, will go before you and even the glory, the presence of the Lord will be before <coughs> us and behind us and protect us. Then we'll call and pray and God will answer. We'll cry for help. He'll say, here am I. Reminder, as long as we're walking in his ways, uh, we're not rebellious and oppressing other people. Uh, we're not blaming other people, pointing finger, one finger to other people, three finger going back to yourself. We're usually the source of the problem. Do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. 
I like that last verse. And then the, a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. Why? Because we're linked into the spring of eternal life, which is Jesus himself pouring out his spirit from within us, which of course changes you as it goes through. And it cannot help but do so, the flow of his Holy Spirit. Uh, but how is that going to happen? Uh, well, there's two sides to it. One is, um, the message today is kind of entitled, Feed the Hungry. And, uh, and I'm going to start with a reminder of, of that very practical aspect, because the danger is we just become a holy huddle and, and come and seek God and pray and do all this stuff. But then when we go out there, we, we, we kind of rather forget about it, what it's all about. Uh, but it's about, to me, it's about our heart's position and our position of our actions as well. Uh, do we position ourselves that we uh, at times are available and there for those who are most in need, who are most empty and broken? Um, I, I confess I'm not very good at that, um, but I can give a couple of examples how it works for me and one how it might work for you. Uh, uh, one is um, uh, I'm uh, rather reluctantly, I have to confess to Peter Bates, uh, doing my night shift shelter tonight. <laughs> when I think, oh no, it's coming round again. I'm going to miss my sleep and I'm going to struggle. <laughs> uh, so, I'm, uh, so I'm off to the night shelter tonight. Um, but uh, whenever I do that and I, when I get there and uh, end up mixing with the, the homeless folk that come in and chatting to them, uh, more often than not, I find that what God has put in me overflows and begins to connect with them and their emptiness and their hungerness. Not in big ways but in small ways, and, and, I, and everything I think, oh, actually it's such a blessing to go and be there, because it's more blessed to give than to receive, and, uh, and to touch lives in different ways. But quite often they'll be quite open spiritually, more so than most other people I meet, to be honest. I'm probably uh, uh, echo that. Uh, and, uh, uh, and often they are not always, they're not always that thankful or appreciative, are they? Uh, uh, but, um, hey, we, we give and we don't expect and uh, necessarily anything in return in that sense. Uh, but uh, uh, we know that we are putting ourselves in a place where we can begin to see life transformed. And so do pray for, for Peter, because it's one of the best things to do. I mean, I, I, we all struggle, don't we, to how to help the homeless. We know giving them money is not a very good idea. And uh, I confess that I regularly don't have enough time for life, so I don't usually have time to stop and chat with the homeless people, which is the best thing you can probably do with them <laughs> when you meet them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, give them a bit of food. Yeah, why not? That's, that's all helpful. Uh, but, um, but at least in this way, I know in a small way I'm positioning myself as part of something bigger that uh, other people who really know what they're doing and are working together as the church are there to really make homelessness history in Wolverhampton. And we are leading the way for the nation. Not to boast about that, because we have humbled ourselves and said, God, how can we really help to solve this problem? And God has come up with things to provide resources that way beyond what we imagined, because we part the Good Shepherd of the Catholic background, partner with the other churches across the city to, to, to move forward in a unique way. So do pray for that. Support it in whatever way you can. Uh, even if you don't, uh, yeah, you can position yourself as volunteers. I'm sure you want to want more mentors, don't you, and things, uh, Peter? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, mentors like Anne Charlotte's done, just come along and chat to the people and help them to keep, get their paths on, on a straight way. Um, 
so that's the homeless. But I, I, I mentioned that chatting just uh, twice. I've been struck by stories, one on UCB radio and one from a, a Youth for Christ literature that came through my door. Uh, you know, how do we help these young people whose lives are completely going off the path and, uh, and, uh, and in, in a mess? Because that's another desperate need, isn't it, for the young people? And there's a lovely story of, a, of just a Youth for Christ walker. What he did is he just walked with this teenager to school every day. And during that 10-minute, 15-minute conversation every day, he gradually just chatted about life, befriended him, but then also began to, to, to uh, just chat more about the Lord. And, and, and he turned his life around. And it wasn't a big thing, but that relationship, that caring, that listening, helped to redact his past. And, and another example on the radio was how someone just did that in a, in a prison and, and did the same. They just went and read the word for today with them and just chatted and life and, and they just turned their lives around because most of these people know that they're absolutely empty, they're desperate, they just don't know where to turn. And you can be the link between Jesus' love and them, but it takes that practical step of putting yourself in that place or helping those who do. Now, I hope there'll be opportunities for some of you to do that, but if that seems a bit too far away, um, what about the lonely and bereaved in our community in, in Ford Houses. Many of you have lost loved ones, and that puts you in a difficult position. But surely one of the best ways is to, uh, to, to help those who are just as lonely and come alongside them and find it's more blessed to give to them than to receive. And as you give, you receive. And as you welcome them as part of a bigger family here, you draw them closer to God. And, and, and who can really satisfy that emptiness in their hearts. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds, but then praise your Father in heaven. So that leads me to the flip side of the coin, really, uh, which is, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, this, this whole thing could sound like, yeah, let's get out there, feed the poor, set up homeless shelters, do X, Y, Z, and a lot of churches kind of focus on that, but, they find, but you find they don't actually have the flow, because the real key here is to be a channel of God's love because of our relationship with him, not just to do the stuff. The social services can do the stuff if we give them lots of money, <laughs> uh, but that's not going to solve the problem. We need to be channels of God's love. So it's draw near to God, let him change your heart, satisfy your needs so that you can be a well-watered garden and a spring that never runs dry. And that's why briefly to refer to the, uh, uh, the gospel, uh, passage, um, which uh, has one of the most difficult passages in the in the Bible in it, and I don't uh, profess to uh, um, answer all the aspects of that, but it ends with this wonderful verse: uh, "I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven." And uh, you, we might think that well, they follow the the law in every detail as they possibly could. Uh, uh, but uh, they ultimately fell into the religion box rather than the relation box, relationship box. Whereas if you see what Jesus is pre preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, if you were like me when you were young, you, were th you thought this was a, this is a, a manifesto for the things you should do in life to be good Christians. Turn the other cheek, love your enemies, do things that you really can't do because they're really too hard to do and uh, feel guilty because you can't do them that's where I was when I was young at a certain phase and I think you've all been there done that so step into some completely different territory and read the Sermon on the Mount from the beginning please not from the middle 
What's, if you don't know the first line of the Sermon on the Mount, I shall shoot you. No, that wouldn't be the appropriate thing. <laughs> if you're going to get this teaching of Jesus, where does it start? Who can tell me the first, first line of the Sermon of the Mount? Begins blessed, I'll give you the clue. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Read the rest of the Beatitudes, not time to do them. They, didn't, they were the passage immediately before what we read. So where does it begin? Oh, how are we going to help the poor? Only if you come poor in spirit. If you come completely empty, say, I can't do this stuff. Yes, good. Yes, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Of course you can't do that. It's completely impossible. Come say, God, I can't do that. Good, now I can start with you. You come completely empty. I can help you. Because I can pour in my love, my righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord, this community is messed up. Nobody cares for the poor. Good. Hunger and thirst for me and my righteousness and you will be filled. Mourn for your sin because you're too self-centered. That's half your problem. You just want to feel good about yourself. You don't really want to serve me. And, uh, and just repent of all that. And uh, you'll be comforted because I'll say, yeah, I'll forgive you. And I'll come and fill you with my love. I'll fill your need first so that you can overflow to others. And then... You can become the light of the world because it's not your light you're shining. It's Jesus' light by his spirit within you that shines out. Most of the things I do that uh, achieve good results have usually got nothing to do with me. They're just things I stumble across and I do this. Just what God happens to put in my way. I think, well, that wasn't me. That was God. And that's how it should be for all of us. So the light we shine should give glory to Jesus and our Father is in, uh, who is in heaven. Uh, I think the, uh, one of the best summaries of the gospel is we love because he first loved us. Get in the flow of his love and, but, but make the space for it to, to flow out and give glory to him. And uh, if you do so, you will find that paradoxically your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees because you will be loving your neighbour as yourself and you'll be loving your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. You're saying, Lord, I can't do this. Please help me. Yeah, I'll help you. I'll pour my love into you. I'll, I'll, all that stuff. So you'll be loving him because you receive his love. You'll be loving your neighbour without even realising it. And, uh, and God's righteousness will shine out through you, which is much better than the religious Pharisees who just try to do what's right, but in their hearts they're far away from God and they have no mercy for the poor. Uh, so... Uh, the key question, therefore, is uh, where is our heart? Is our heart for God and for his love to flow through us? And uh, is our heart, therefore, to see uh, the needy, uh, uh, their needs met, the hungry fed, the naked clothed, the prisoners set free? It all looks too impossible, but if we come to Jesus and let him transform us from one degree of glory to another, the impossible becomes possible. And I love the last verse of Isaiah, and I'll finish with this, Isaiah 58. It's a theme which uh, comes up again and again in, in Isaiah. And uh, if we get into this dynamic of a spring whose waters never fail, verse 12, then your people, the people of God in this city of Wolverhampton, will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called 
repairer of broken walls. There's a lot of broken walls in this city, not physical ones, but emotional ones, broken families, broken relationships, broken lives by drugs, broken communities, broken uh, economics in the city centre. Uh, you will be called restorer of streets with dwellings. Nothing is impossible if we believe and receive. Let us pray.